I could get, I could go deep into a rabbit hole, but the idea is like, don't put any limitations on yourself and what's possible for yourself. Like if there's something that you want to do, whether it's start a business, train for a race, whether it be a 5k, a one mile, a 10k half marathon, it doesn't matter what the distance is, but like do something that scares you. And, and really what it comes down to is removing the governor from your life. Welcome to the Sonico Project, hosted by myself, Travis Marshall, and Pat Forstall. The purpose of our show is to talk with those that have inspired us and discuss challenges in life, past and present. We hope these stories push you to chase new challenges and press on. Overall, we hope to build a community that lives out our mantra of someday never comes. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Awesome, sweet. Well, we're, we're joined here today by uh, Jackson Mitchell. Um, funnily enough, you know, Jackson and I and Travis were really just all connected over Instagram. Um, you know, I came across some of Jackson's uh, content and was super curious on what he was doing. So I hit him up and was fortunate he was super amiable to, to meeting up or, to, you know, to connecting and talking through some things. So, you know, quick background on, on Jackson. And I really want to let you get into it, man, because you have an awesome story. But, um, you know, Jackson grew up, military family um walked on at smu and over the last you know couple months or i guess you know a little over a year now you've been building your own brand and work with some really sick brands dude so anyways uh i want to let you tell your own story so thanks for joining us man yeah it's super dope to be here with you guys um i love the fact that you reached out i mean i think you know social media has the rap that it has from different vantage points but i think it's really cool for things like this where you can connect with people and you know, exchange value and, and build relationships with people who are in completely different states, um, who are doing different, like doing different stuff, but very similar stuff. So it's super cool to be here with you guys. I love what y'all are doing. I love Sonico and what that message is all about. Um, for me, my journey, yeah, like you said, man, grew up, uh, military family. My mom was a Lieutenant Colonel when she retired, she was in for 26 years, served in the air force. And my dad, uh, served in the army, put himself through college. And then he got out and, uh, started working in like digital advertising and sales in the radio business. Um, so moved around a little bit as a kid, but it was primarily my dad's job. Everybody typically thinks it was, Oh, you know, your mom was in the military. So you guys are moving around, but my dad's job was actually what moved us. And so I was born in Alaska, um, in, which is kind of a cool fact. And then we moved to Las Vegas and then to Boston. And then we moved to Texas when I was 10. And so um, also stop me at any point if I start rambling too much about the story, you want to ask oh, questions, yeah. but um, yeah, I moved to Texas at 10. And the first thing that like the whole community was, was telling my parents was like, Oh, you got to get your boy in football. You got to get your boy in football. And you know, anybody who is listening and is not from Texas Texas high school football is, it's like a religion. Um, you know, they got, you're playing in the biggest stadiums, Cowboy Stadium, college stadiums, like people are filling up the stands for high school football games. And it's really funny to look back on my journey because when I got to SMU, I was like, 
this is college football like no way <laughs> yeah, did you go to a big, um, did you go to a big high school yeah so i went to south lake carroll which oh, yeah. is like really kind of a premier powerhouse in texas high school football we like when i was in middle school there was a period of time where we were like i think 72 and oh uh like hadn't lost a game in yeah. six years and um you know south lake is known for everybody bleaching their hair in the playoffs and uh really just kind of being like this football, like everybody knows South Lake football in Texas. Um, so certainly like, yeah, they were like, Hey, get your boy in football. And that's really where I feel like that's where my true like athletic journey began because prior to that, you know, every kid plays soccer or plays like pop Warner peewee, whatever you call it. Yeah. But I was just like this fat little kid and uh I remember for some reason one of the most like vivid memories I have was like I played fullback when I was in like second grade and it just made like for no reason other than the fact that I was like this stout kid and I guess it just made sense that I played fullback um but yeah man so playing playing there in South Lake Carroll it's exactly what it sounds like it's exactly what friday night lights portrays uh any movie you've seen that talks about like high school football that's what it was and how big how big was your high school class when people graduated yeah i think i graduated with like 700 um yeah so i think we we were 5a i don't know if we've gone up to 6a since i've graduated and moved on but certainly when i was in high school i think we were like the biggest division um so we played Trinity played DeSoto, which again, these are Texas high school football teams that people would know if they're from Texas, but just really good competitive football. And, you know, as I mentioned again, like going and transitioning from high school to football or from high school to college was a funny experience because in a lot of ways, my high school experience was more what I envisioned for college, at least early on. Um, was more so like a college football experience than my college football experience was those first couple of years. Um, so I can kind of like, yet yeah, like bring us up to that point. You know, I basically, I started only as a senior, which again, like Texas high school football, if you're not getting recruited and offers by the time you're in eighth grade, like it might be ship sailed. Um, and so I had, I had an offer from the air force Academy and I had an offer from Stephen F. Austin, and was super excited and grateful for those opportunities, but they didn't really align with what I wanted uh, out of my college football experience. Like I had this vision of playing, you know, big time D1 football and Stephen F. Austin is a great D1 AA program, but I didn't want to play D1 AA. And I also didn't want to live in Nacogdoches, Texas, which is like, you know, the sticks. Um <laughs> And then, you know, the Air Force Academy, obviously, like to serve our country, like what an honor. But again, like I wasn't really I wasn't dead set on serving in the military. And it was it was an interesting experience because, of course, when I got that offer, everybody would think like, oh, this just makes sense. Like he's got parents who are in the military. He's going to go be in the military. But I remember going on my official visit and you know, you had to take 21 credit hours on top of your student athlete um, responsibilities on top of your just your student. Y'all know this very well. Like you went to the Naval Academy, like there's a certain there's a difference, right? There's just a simple difference between those who are going to an academy 
and then just a student athlete at another school. Um, so hats off to you gentlemen, but yeah, ultimately, you know, I was like, that's not really aligned with what I want either. And was that, I'm easy very fortunate. Kind of, I'm bad. I'm go sorry. Ahead. I was going to say, no, no, go ahead. Was that easy to kind of navigate with your parents too? Like, I know that had to be an interesting dynamic. Yeah. So I was just about to say, like, I'm very fortunate to have the parents that I do. Um, it was, it was, it was difficult to say to my parents, Hey, I have these full ride scholarship offers and I don't want to go to either of them. Um, however, like the most supportive parents on the planet, you know, a big thing that was ingrained in me as a kid was, was work ethic. And like the Bible verse that is literally on my kitchen counter, it's tattooed on my back. It's, it was kind of like a foundational verse in our household growing up was Philippians 4.13, which is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so, you know, it was very much ingrained in me that like, if you're willing to work hard for whatever your goals are, like you can achieve them. Um, and, you know, again, just like had the support to be able to tell them that and say, okay, well, if you don't want to do that, then like we'll support you, but like, let's figure out what that looks like. And so what it looked like was literally like my dad and I, and probably more so my dad than I on Twitter, on every college's website, figuring out, okay, who's the linebacker coach, who's the director of recruiting, sending out emails. Hey, this is Jackson Mitchell. This is his film. He started, you know, his senior year played uh, on varsity three years, like given the whole resume, um, you know, he'd love an opportunity to walk on at your school. And I had some, I had some opportunities, man. And it was interesting because like I was actually getting pretty heavily recruited uh, at the end of my sophomore year and my junior year, but it, but it fell off because I didn't start my junior year. So a lot of those schools who had sent me mail, like they knew who I was, but the interest level had just plummeted pretty much. Um, and you know, fortunately enough, SMU got back and was like, Hey, uh, my dad's name is Jeff. Hey, Jeff, you know, we don't have any scholarships available, but we think Jackson can contribute here. We'd love to have him come walk on. And uh, it's really funny because one of the things that was most important to me in figuring out where I wanted to play was I wanted to go to a school that was visually appealing. I knew I was going to be there for four years. I didn't want to be somewhere that I hated looking at every day. And, you know, I mentioned earlier that Texas high school football, we played at Cowboys Stadium and different colleges. Like I played at SMU probably five times throughout my high school career. And I never noticed the campus, not once. But the minute that we actually toured, I was like, oh, wow this place is pretty nice. Like, I think I could see myself actually liking it here. Yeah. And so, yeah, man, um, made the decision pretty quickly when they said that they'd have me that like, this is where I'm going to go. Knew it was a great, you know, educational institution. Uh, didn't know much about the program, to be honest. Like, I think they had been in bowls the last few years, but they were not like a powerhouse, obviously since the death penalty. Um, but loved the fact that like I was going to get a good education. I was going to be relatively close to where I grew up and I was going to have a chance to play. And so that's how I decided on SMU and I'll pause there. <laughs> felt like that's uh you know, your parents helping you out kind of setting that, that structure for you. I mean, that had to, that had to one help you just like show you a path of what you needed to do. And then further on, like set you up nicely for college and like that you can't just go into this stuff blind. You have to have some sort of structure. And that's like, that's like 
Eve military stuff right there, which is uh, so typical <laughs> for a military family, which is awesome to hear. Uh, but going into, you know, when you made that decisions, like when you made the decision to walk onto the team, you know, what did, at that point, what did you start doing to prepare yourself for, you know, I know you were at a big high school, but college is the next level, right? It's D1. So what'd you do at that point? Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think a, a big ch- shift happened for me probably when I was in middle school, because all of my, you know, prepubescent years, for lack of a better term, were spent playing on the offensive offensive and defensive line because I weighed a certain amount and had a certain body build. And in my hometown, like if you weighed over a certain amount in fifth and sixth grade, you couldn't play off the line because there was an, they were scared that, you know, you hand a ball to a, a 185 pound seventh grader and get the momentum going like somebody's going to get killed. <laughs> and so, um, did you so guys always, have to wear? Did you have to wear the restricted sticker on your helmet? Yeah, or, yeah, I had a red. Yeah, stripe. that was me. <laughs> let's go. Yeah, yeah. Big yeah let's go. I'll never forget sixth grade stepping on the scale and then being like two hundred pounds, and all the dads and they were like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> they put the stripe on me. I was like, I didn't have to. It's an absolute there. unit. Yeah, I was like, I didn't have to weigh in to know I was above one hundred and fifteen pounds. Y'all could have like spurred me <laughs> the embarrassment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's actually hilarious because like in my PB days, like you could freeze kids for the draft. Like you could, there was all types of stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like, because I, because I had that experience leading up to like middle school, I knew that if I wanted to play linebacker or play running back or have the opportunity to get the ball in my hand, which at that age, like I wanted to have the ball in my hand, that's what it really was. But if I wanted to do that, then I had to put in some work to make some changes to my body. I had to exhibit some discipline with what I was eating. I had to train in a certain way to, to get that result. And again, shout out to my parents. Like they gave me the resources to do that. I trained at this place growing up called APE. It was unlike any other place in town um, from like a training perspective, just doing different stuff and really helped me like develop my athleticism and, and, and grow as an athlete. And so, you know, fast forward, I would say that like to this day, one of the things that I'm most proud of, like within myself is, is my work ethic. Um, like whether it's training for a marathon or anything related to like professionally, like I want to be the best at it and I want to give like my all to it. And especially like, it's very easy to think about this from the standpoint of like marathon training. Like I have a program that I'm following and like, I'm going to execute. And I think that probably again comes back to something of my like military upbringing, like just being very like regimented. And I think in some ways it's gotten me in trouble being so like operating so well on a plan and maybe sometimes not being able to be as flexible, but, you know, getting better at that. But all that to say, like when it came time to prepare for college football, it was like, I was back in that mode. Um, which was nothing new from the standpoint of like, you know, every summer we had summer strength conditioning, we had off season workouts. Like we had these things that we were doing. It was just that, but it was preparing for the next level. So I, I was part of this program called performance course. There was probably six or seven other guys who were going D one um, or to play at the next level. I think there was maybe one guy who was going to a D three school, but you know, we were all getting ready to go play college football. And so we were training, you know, every day together after school and, uh, I don't remember if we ever did double days, but the whole point is like we were preparing for the next level. Um, And I feel like 
I think as I think about it now, you know, I was fighting for my life to try to gain some weight to get ready for college. Um, and I don't necessarily remember being like super strict or regimented, like with my nutrition. I think it was more just about, you know, pounding protein shakes, getting your glass of milk and PB and J before bed, like typical stuff that that was prescribed as a youngin. Um, but yeah, man, just like the mission was what the mission was. And like, it took what it took to prepare for it. And it was like just showing up, um, doing the work necessary. And then also of course doing the extra stuff on the side as well. Yeah. 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 Growing up, I, I was lucky to have my mom be able to afford to get us into this thing called GATA, which same, same similar concept. And I remember the summer it was, it was in, definitely in the summers when it kind of picked up and we had, you know, college athletes there and then NFL athletes coming in. And I don't think my, my, you know, me, as far as like my discipline and my work ethic didn't really pick up until I was in naps. Cause mm-hmm. I remember looking at these guys in the summer courses and being like, there's no way, man, like, there's no way I'm going <laughs> to put on that kind of muscle and like to bring it all together. You know, like you talk about your worth, work ethic and stuff, you know, just for those listening, this dude was six foot, 234 pounds, like pulled that straight off of SMU. So they, they might be lying. You might be five eleven. I don't know. What, what, <laughs> it's all semantics here, but dude, yeah, it's, it's awesome that, you know, at a young age, you were able to pull that mindset in and be like, yo, I'm going to get that dog mentality, which I remember you talking about in your first episode. And I would definitely want to go out into that, but man, that's awesome. You know, it's, it's such a young age. So, so young to, you know, pull that in incredible. And, and dude, what I want to hit on too is like, you know, seeing your content and stuff, like I know you're big on community and like the stuff that we've talked about. And um, I, I think it's cool. That, you know, you said you had this group of guys that were all going to the next level. So I had to feel like there's some bit of like this community, like pulling guys together that are like, all right, we're all on the same mission. And like, you know, how much of a good positive impact that has, like, all right, if I have this goal, like it's, it's, it's kind of hard to go alone, but if you have a team effort, like, you know, just pulling each other along, you know? Yeah, man. The uh, it's kind of funny because I feel like some things that I used to maybe think of as like cheesy, my mindset and perspective on them has completely changed. And one of them definitely is the importance of like community from the standpoint of like, yeah, we we played sports, so we were used to being on a team. But when we were playing on a team, we didn't think anything of it because it's just that's what a sport like that's what you do. Like, yeah, I'm gonna go to the locker room, I'm gonna get ready, I'm gonna chill with my boys. We're going to go to meetings. We're going to go in the training room. We're going to go to practice. We're going to go to study hall. Like it's just natural. But then when you leave that environment, when you graduate and years pass by, you know, if you don't, if you don't create it or look for it, you're not going to have that. And I realized at a certain point in time that there was a little bit of that, like lone wolf occurring for me. And it's like the, the cliche thing I think about is like team together, everybody achieves more. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Like they're cheesy, but they're true. And, you know, the value of having other men, specifically for men, right? Having other men who you can share in wins with, who you can share like in the downtimes with and be open and connect with and have support in that way, you know, having people to hold you accountable, like that is so important. And I think I, again, I think I lost sight of it for a period of time, but now like, you know, I have a men's group that I attend every Monday and like we call it the first appointment because it's like the first thing we do to start our week off. Right. We run for 30 minutes and then we get into the word. You know, I'm hosting a retreat in February with a co-host, my, my buddy Scott. Like we're creating that space for other men because, like I said, if you don't either create that 
or really look for it, then you find yourself like solo dolo. And it's like, you know, I have an amazing girlfriend, Pat, I know you've got a wife like Travis, I'm not sure what your relationship status is. But you know, our female partner is incredible. But that connection that you have with with men and your boys is different. Um, and so yeah, it's it's so important to create that. And, uh, you know, not feel like you're walking through everything by yourself. Yeah. And especially you said, it's just like taking it for granted because it's all growing up until you, you know, especially if you go to college after high school, like for like 22 years or whatever, you have people that you're seeing every single day that are holding you right. accountable. And then you, you can get to this professional point where you go to work, you come home and like you could be isolated and, you know, not, you know, yeah, just like not having that accountability. Like, you know, if in college and in high school, if you did something, your boys are going to hold you accountable. They need to be sure. like, dude, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Like that you have people checking you constantly. And I think uh, that's something Travis and I talked about early on is just trying to find, trying to build that kind of community to, to make sure that people are holding you to the standard, that people are helping you go along and just people that are going to help you learn. Like, that's why, we, you know, the reason we're here in the first place is like, we reached out, Travis and I reached out because we, we, we thought that your message resonated with us and we just wanted to kind of hear how you built it. So um I guess kind of moving along because there's, there's so much to cover. Um, you know, you got to the point where you were team captain at SMU, right? And like started, how did you bridge that gap from being a walk-on where I'm sure people told you, hey, man, like you'll probably ne never get to play, like, you know, to being a starter and a captain? Yeah. So, man, it was, it was funny, Travis, when you alluded to uh, like seeing the guys at NAPS and being like, yo, what? <laughs> I'll never forget <laughs> similar experience, like coming in there as a freshman and seeing like a guy who was probably a red shirt junior at the time and just being like, is that a human? Like, there's no way that that that's even possible. And uh, but certainly like going into SMU, like my mindset was, all right, like I got to earn it. Like I had a I had a shirt in high school it was a lebron james shirt and just said earn not given it had the championship ring on it and like that was the mentality is like everything that i get at smu is is going to be because i earned it and you know alluding back to like the work ethic piece i knew that you know i might have been the sorriest player on the team but like nobody was going to work harder than me at in the weight room nobody was going to go harder than me in the sprints didn't mean i was going to win every sprint but like i was going to give my absolute best effort in everything that i did um you know i was going to do extra stuff on the weekend like whatever it took i was going to give my all to try to get on the field and i remember you know going through fall camp as a freshman and just being the freshman walk-on like getting beat down you're lugging pads around like you're you're running down on kickoff every drill like nobody's nobody's getting in and giving you a break like no none of that um but when you're a walk-on it's like i have to do this because like i'm here i'm here by choice like they don't they don't necessarily want me here like i have to do everything i can to really deserve the right to be here like zero entitlement and you know went through fall camp got my teeth kicked in and dude I'll never forget it. So at a lot of schools, I would say probably at most schools, if you redshirt your freshman year, you're on the sideline for the home games, you're swinging the jersey, swinging the towel, like you're the hype squad. At SMU, my freshman year, if you redshirted at the home games, you were in the stands. And so like, I remember being a freshman on campus thinking I'm sick. 
yeah, I'm on the football team. I'm wearing my workout clothes to class, like not a good look, but I'm doing it. And, uh, you know, the first game rolls around, we're playing Texas Tech and I'm sitting in the corner of the end zone and I'm sitting right there with the people on my floor, on my dorm. And they're like, wait, don't you play football? Like, what are you doing up here with us? And uh, so, you know, I had I, I remember that so vividly like watching a guy who I went to high school with who had also walked on at Texas Tech returning a punt for like 60 yards and I'm like man never again like never again will I sit here and watch from the stands and sure enough like I ended up that following week moving up from like practice squad to basically being like third stream linebacker getting on special teams and I ended up actually playing on all the special teams for the rest of my freshman year um and was getting a lot of like, you know, kudos, like, oh, like, you know, you shouldn't be a walk on. That's like actually contrary to, to the question, like a lot of people on the team are like, oh, you should. Like, I don't know how you're a walk on, but it's like I am. And it doesn't matter if my teammates think that like the coaches are the people who have the, the decision making power to give me a scholarship or not. And so, you know, go through freshman year. Uh, had a pretty difficult time transitioning from college or from high school to college. Like my grades weren't awesome. Um, I was in a long distance relationship at the time with like, you know, your typical high school girlfriend scenario where it's like, Oh, like, yeah, it's the most important thing to me. Like I got to change Like thought about quitting, thought about transferring, like thought about all these different things when I had this phenomenal opportunity in front of me and almost quit like legitimately almost quit. And my coach is like, dude, just like chill out. Like, think about it. Don't make any rash decisions. And uh, fortunately, so I didn't quit, obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, like freshman year was a beat down, came back sophomore year. Um, nothing had really changed like mentality wise. It was still like, all right, like no scholarship, got to earn it every day. Like got to keep doing the work. Got to just got to keep doing what I do. Like, and uh sure enough like sophomore year we were trash like hot trash like we went one and 11 didn't win a game till the last game of the season it was up in Yukon freezing cold pouring rain uh but my sophomore year I actually got like some good PT at linebacker and started to really like become more of like a legitimate contributor on the team, you know, again, playing on all the special teams, getting some snaps at linebacker. Um, but very much still was like just a walk on who, who grinded. And, you know, after that season, the entire coaching staff got fired uh, with the exception of like, you know, maybe some player personnel guys and like the team chaplain, like everybody got let go. And so at that point in time, it was like, all right, clean slate, uh, new opportunity, new staff coming in. Like this is an opportunity for me to prove to some people who have no preconceived notions about me that like, I deserve to be on this team. I deserve to be on scholarship. Like I'm, I'm a leader. I make an impact so on and so forth. And so like that off season, bro, was savage mode. Like we <laughs> like that, that off season was all about, you know, earning it, you know, and, and not that any of the time before then was not about earning it, but like that to me felt like it's now or never. And I'll never forget, like, gen like generally speaking, I would say that like, I am good at working out and like doing conditioning and all that kind of stuff. Like, I feel like that's kind of my like zone of, 
of uh, like where I really get it in. And there was one day where we did stadium sprints and then came in and we were like back squatting. And I've never been so close to throwing up in my life. And I had, I remember my position coach and the head coach, like behind the rack, I'm, I'm literally about to die. Like, I feel like there's no way I don't survive this session. And, uh, but I remember thinking to myself, like, this is where they're going to decide whether or not I get a scholarship. Like if I, if I fail in this rep, if I don't do this set, like it's not going to happen. And, uh, (laughs) <laughs> what a ridiculous thought but um well, dude, but that's where my un- brain went yeah there's just under i mean like for you know for those that maybe aren't as aware too about college football like there's definitely a lot of undertones about like walk-ons for people that are taking that for granted like i mean i know guys at navy that we you know you know could have could have should have would have played but probably because they were walk-ons coaches and give, give them that shot because coaches want to see their guys that they're giving scholarships to play and then when right. you talk about new coaches coming in i mean you got the whole new, uh, you know, thing too, where like they might have some of their own players coming in and stuff like that. So like, I bet for you, it was like do or die. Like, you know, oh, yeah. have a chopping block. Like if you, if you do one thing wrong, they're going to want to set and they want me to make, you know, make an example of someone they're going to look to a walk on. For sure. Yeah. And, and, and I had teammates who got booted like yeah. because of that exact thing. It's like, if you're not, if you're not operating on all cylinders and doing what is asked of you to a T, like we don't want you in here. And, um, so yeah, man, like made it through that off season, that fall camp and at the end of fall camp, my junior year. So going into my junior season, that's when I got awarded a scholarship. Um, and it's funny enough, I was actually talking to a guy about this moment earlier today. Um, you know, our head coach had basically stirred up this story in the locker room that somebody had broken into his office and like took a bunch of valuable stuff. And yeah, and, I just uh, watched that video by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody's like freaking out, like freaking out. I remember, I remember that day in fall camp, like the, the captains of the team were like rustling around, you know how it is in the locker room. Like one person says something and it spreads like wildfire. So um, everybody's buzzing, like, oh, who would do that? Like, oh, you know, of course, people are pointing fingers, like, oh, it's probably this person, this and that. Um, but, you know, ultimately, everybody was like, dang, like, I wonder what this is all about. And, you know, go through team meeting and coach addresses the team. He's like, um, you know, it breaks my heart that somebody, one of our own, one of our own would break in and steal like nothing too valuable, but stuff that was sentimentally valuable to me was stolen. Like I've got a list here. I'm going to read it off. And he awarded one of my teammates a scholarship um, and everybody went nuts. And of course that guy actually is a good friend of mine. Um, But there was part of me that was like, man, like that was it. Like that was going to be me. Like that was, it was going to be mine. I'm like, dang. Okay. Well back to work. Um, And you know, after that. So he he then says, all right, from here, we're going straight to special teams meetings. And so I'm like, dang, yeah, all right, like back to work. And he's like, but first I got one more paper and like Jackson Mitchell, you awarded a scholarship and certainly like life-changing moment. Um, you know, financially speaking, like for my parents, no longer having to have that financial burden. Um, you know, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't like much was going to change from the way that I work perspective, but like knowing that that, was no longer a, like a looming feeling of like lack that I didn't have this lack of scholarship anymore, but that like my work was being awarded um, was an incredible feeling. And certainly like 
the number of texts I got from teammates and different people congratulating me, like it was just a really special moment uh, overall. And yeah, um, you know, that that led into. Yeah. Did that like, so yeah, was that like fueling you going forward? Did you, did you have a feeling of like, all right, relief and that you wanted to just chill out for a little bit or was it straight gas on the fire? Like, all right, well now I got to prove it. So it was definitely relief. um, But more so from the standpoint of like, my people no longer have to worry about this. You know, I feel, I felt like I had paid my parents back to a degree, mm-hmm. but you know, outside of that feeling of relief, it was still 100% like, all right, like I'm on Scully. Now I need to prove every single day that they made the right decision. And like, uh, you know, now it's time for me to earn a starting spot. Now it's time for me to, you know, do more. And so, yeah, like it was still, still all gas, no brakes, but I think there was a little bit of a shift in probably the way that I was operating, probably more than anything. It was just more confidence. Like, yeah, they finally see it. Like, great. Let's, let's go do more. So sad. Yeah. That's electric, dude. You know, it's like, you know, I wonder, you know, what would happen if that was like, if, if, if for you is the chase, you know, right. if it's just the chase and you got it and you're like, yo, I, I fucking made it. Like I'm here. <laughs> right. And you just no. have the gas. I mean, I, it would be a different story, obviously. And that wouldn't be who you are and you wouldn't be doing the things you're doing now. But I mean, that is the mindset of some people. So for sure. Yeah. I think, man, I think, you know, people ask, do I miss football? And it's like, I don't. I really don't. What I miss the most is the off season workouts and summer strength conditioning and stuff like that. Like I feel like what I enjoy the most in everything is like the process, just like the process of going after something and kind of this feeling of like stepping into the unknown a little bit to see like what's possible. So I feel like getting the scholarship was definitely a goal, but, but at the same time, it was part of the process. It was part of figuring out, all right, well, if I could get that scholarship, like, can I, can I start? Like, can I become a captain? Like what, you know, what else can I do? Um, but certainly, I mean, I think people allude to the players who are just on the team because they want to run out of the tunnel. And, and to your point, Travis, like, I just, I was never one of those guys. Like I wanted to, to actually make an impact um, on my teammates, on the program, just in general. And so, yeah, I'll be honest with you though. Like, I never envisioned my college football career going the way that it did. Like if you would have told me I would be a team captain and represent the team at media day and stuff like that, I would have been like, man, that's crazy. But, (laughs) you know, I think in everything, like in sports and you know, this from training for like triathlons, marathons, like Pat, you too. I mean, ultra marathons and things like that. It's like, when you do something, when you cross that finish line, when you check that box, it's like, it's just an, an invitation to like the next level. It feels like. Yeah. And did, did you feel like some of that chip went back from like that high school of not, you know, not getting maybe looked at by some of the programs you wanted. So your whole college journey was then trying to, in a sense, prove yourself. Yeah. You know, I never, when I look back on it, I don't really ever envision or think of the things that I've done as trying to prove somebody wrong. Um, I genuinely feel like I'm just on a mission to see like what's possible for me. Cause I think, I think everybody's capable of incredible stuff, like insane stuff, you know, things that we probably don't even give ourselves credit for being capable of. 
Um, but I think the only way that we figure out what that looks like is through doing it. And so, yeah, it wasn't so much like, oh, let me prove to LSU or prove to Baylor or Iowa that they made a mistake by not recruiting me. It was like, let me show, like, let me, let me show myself that I am built for it. Like, let me see what I'm capable of. Um, and again, like, it's not so much about crossing a finish line, but it's like, what, what do you learn in the process? How do you develop? How do you grow? Like I did a 70.3 in 2021 and it was horribly executed from like the nutrition standpoint. I mean, like probably couldn't have gone worse, but you know, the stuff, there was like a pinnacle moment in that race. I was like 35 miles into the bike and I was catching my second cramp. And it was one of those cramps where like on the upward pedal stroke on the bike, my hammy just locked up. Oh. And I literally like pulled off to the side of the road, got off my bike, was stretching. And I remember having this internal dialogue of like, do I just like post up and let like a golf cart come scoop me and like go to the Ironman village? <laughs> and like, you know, I'm on the side of the road, like, there's no way in hell I'm going out like that. Like I'm gonna have to die before I just like give up, you know? And so, yeah, man, like, again, that, that experience is just like, it's so powerful. Um, And again, just feel like it's part of the process. Yeah. You got to tap into that dog mentality. (laughs) (laughs) And that's something that I find so frustrating when I talk to, you know, talk to anybody and you're like, like hey you want to go on a run or like a five mile run or two mile run or something like that and like no i can't do that i'm like yes you can you will one you don't know if you can it's like you probably haven't done it maybe i haven't done it maybe i'm like asking pat to do a 50 mile run with me and he's like you know pat easily could have been like dude i can't do that but he's a dog <laughs> so he's yeah. like, all right yeah. man <laughs> man i saw i saw a video last night of a a young man who I think is from like Slovenia somewhere not somewhere across the pond and uh he was paralyzed from the waist down and instead of like giving up and letting that be like his defining thing is that like oh I'm paralyzed from the waist down like he's on a quest to like run a marathon in every country or something to that effect like he ran the Dallas marathon this past Sunday with you know two sticks and like basically i mean he ran the marathon while paralyzed from the waist down yeah like i don't want to say that he like hobbled through it because i feel like that's disrespectful like this dude ran 26.2 miles and it's like you know you're gonna tell me that you can't run two but you're fully able-bodied like capable and it doesn't matter if you're like 400 pounds or you know, have just never run, like, it doesn't matter. But like, I feel like your mind, your mindset around things and what you tell yourself is true, like, it's true. So if you tell me you can't run two miles, well, I guess that's what you're gonna how you're gonna operate. Like, you know, yeah, and I think we've all been, we've all been on that, you know, going to the Ironman and Jackson, you just talked about it. like, well, our mind will break before our body will, you know, every you, time you're 20 miles into the bike, you're cramping up. You're like, bro, I'm out. I'm going back to Ironman Village. <laughs> It'd be nice. And dude, I was yeah. I mean, I was there during the uh during one of the marathons I did. I was like, dude, my feet hurt, my ankle hurts. I got a rash in place session have rashes, like I'm out. Yeah. Yep. You push through. I think yeah, I think so much it I think it starts with confidence too. Like you you gotta get those little wins. Like it's stuff we talked about before, but you have to have those little wins because yeah, mm-hmm. maybe maybe you've never ran 
at all. So yeah, two miles does sound like terrible and you, you need some confidence and that's where I think good, like people can come in. And, and then the other part is, is like the mental discipline and that comes after you get the confidence and you start putting the work in and then you're like, you know, like you, you start realizing, okay, my, my, my mind's going to break before my body. So when that voice of doubt comes in, you're like, I mean, unless like, I'm like wake up and like someone has taken me off the course, like I'm not coming off the course. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I've been here before. Yeah, exactly. Jackson, Jackson that, uh, so the, you know, going back to the football and basically like connecting football to now with your mindset towards things, you know, you said you were, you were wanting to ch- not necessarily chase a scholarship, but like build something around like, you know, a championship or like the the game itself. Is that what made you go towards Ironman and marathons and that? Cause you, you know, you, it's a physical accomplishment at the end of the day. Is that what the mindset behind it was? Man, honestly. So, you know, I got done playing in 2016, graduated in 2017 and probably, so that was May by December, I started doing CrossFit. And I loved CrossFit. Like CrossFit is competitive. It's community based. Like the group that we had in the box in Dallas, like, you know, absolutely love going to war with those people, obviously not going to war in the the real sense, but like just pushing ourselves in that way. Like I think CrossFit's a really cool sport because of the community aspect. Um, But what I really realized is like, man, I, I just love to like push myself in that way. And, you know, I think, I was actually thinking about this within the last couple of weeks. I'm not sure why, but like, you know, some people love like zone two and just like being in zone two and just going for forever, like how, however far they can go. I feel like I love getting into the place where like my heart rate is at like the top of my aerobic threshold or like basically getting my heart rate as high as possible and like sustaining that for as long as I possibly can. Like in that red line. Yeah. Like I love, I love track workouts because you're just like dying, but out. yeah, literally, but like, but you are in this position where it's like everything in you is telling you to stop, but your mind is like, nah, like 200 more meters or 400 more meters, like an 800 meter repeat or a, or a 1k repeat. Like you've hit two laps and you've got 200 more and it's like, Oh my God, like my face is melting off, but like, I got, I got to do this. Um, I love that. And so to answer your question, like I loved CrossFit, but with some like career changes, my box, like the first class started at 5 a.m. And I was having to get to work at like right at six. And so I started just working out like on my own at like 4 a.m., 4.30 a.m. And just doing some like CrossFit type stuff, some hit type stuff. But it was all just me kind of making it up um, and lacking that competition that I so loved and, and not necessarily the competition among like me and other people, but like getting in that competitive team environment where you're like pushing to hit, you know, to finish it as fast as possible or to, you know, get through X amount of reps in X time frame or like an AMRAP, like, you know, the different type of structures that exist within the CrossFit program. And like, I love that. What got me into the endurance stuff though, was, when COVID hit because, you know, gyms were shut down and I was trying to figure out how can I, A, how can I like inspire people and help people to like find ways to feel good in this like kind of dark time, B, like I need a way to push myself when the gyms are closed. And so I just started 
running. Um, and I would run like a little bit further every Friday. So at that point, like the, probably the farthest I had to run pre COVID was like, generally I'd run like six miles if I went out to run. And it was very much like, you know, do it as fast as I can and knew nothing about zone two or anything like that, but just like get it done very much football mindset. And, but when COVID hit, it was like, all right, like, let's see, let's see what I can do. And I think I started at like 10 miles on a Friday and then the next Friday I did 12 and then I jumped up to 16 and then I went out for a run with a couple of my buddies' wives and like, there's a 10 mile loop in Dallas around this lake. And like, I had never run like zone two in my life at this point, I don't think, but I was like, I'm going to run their pace. So we ran a loop at like, probably like a nine thirty pace. And at the end of that 10 mile loop, I was like, honestly, I feel pretty good still. Like I'm going to keep going and just like, see what I can do. And I ran another lap. So I ran 20 miles and all I ate was like some expired peanut butter and like a graham cracker. I was working in med device sales at the time. So I had like hospital snacks in my truck and I literally like ate no joke, like an expired graham cracker or something like that with like one of those little teaspoon peanut butter things and was like, okay, if I can get through 20 miles with zero preparation, zero nutrition, like, you know, for you guys who do this stuff, you know, the importance of that. Like if I can get through 20 with nothing, then what else could I do? And like that, that actually, (laughs) that wasn't what made me sign up for my first marathon. That was actually what like opened me up to signing up for a 70.3. And I also had my best buddy who I lived with for two years uh, after college, like he'll, he'll throw up if he listens to this because I'm about to brag on him and he's a, a humble beast. But you know, this dude went from like, you know, a 225 pound safety at his pro day to shedding weight, getting into triathlon, specifically like Ironman distance. And in a span of like, you know, I guess from 2000, let's call it 2018 to 2023. So in five years, I think he did like 10 Ironmans, qualified for 70.3 Worlds, qualified for Kona once, qualified for Nice, France, like the full Ironman Worlds once. And so like seeing him and the way that he was training and the level of like discipline, dedication, commitment, time management, prioritization like that it took, that piqued my interest for sure. Because I'll never forget there was like a Tuesday where he he got up at like 3.30 so that he could run for excuse me. So he could bike for two hours, run for an hour and then went into the office. And it was like, it takes a different type of person to like operate that way. Like, I think, I think I want to see what that's like. And so like literally bought a bike in September, 2020, I think. And like started cycling, you know, went out and was like, all right, I'm going to try to run a hundred or try to ride a hundred miles. And like was 72 miles in, pop my front tire, fly off. And like, just again, like exploring what's possible. Like, and that's why I was like, all right, I'm gonna do 70.3. And I did a 70.3 and had that experience. And, you know, some time goes by and it's like, you know, there's ultras, there's marathons for some reason for me, like at that time, I guess probably because I hadn't done it yet. Like a marathon was very daunting. It was like 26.2 miles is a long way to run. I'm not doing three different sports. I'm doing one, like it's going to take a lot of very specific training, like, you know, don't know what that's like, but like, let's find out. And so, yeah, I think, I think after signing up for the 70.3, I was like, 
I want to do more of this. I don't know exactly what yet. And then after I ran the Dallas marathon, I was like, man, I like running a lot more than I ever thought I would. And, uh, and so I love it, dude. But again, like I love the process. I love like having my, my marathon build plan, like in looking at a week and seeing like, okay, like that is going to be a hell of a workout. Like I'm gonna, that's going to be interesting. And then looking at Saturday and be like, dang, okay, that's a 20 mile long run workout. It's not just like an easy run and, and that's going to be hard. But then like the preparation that goes into leading into that workout and the mindset and all of it, like I, I love that stuff. Um, so that was a super long winded answer, but no, no, it's good. What do you think yeah. you're out of the swim bike run? What do you think is your strength? out of those three? <laughs> Uh, not swim. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> I think we could all agree on that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think when I did my 70.3, I probably would have gave it to the bike. Um, but today I feel like it's probably the run. I think, you know, being a former linebacker and just like being strong in that way, like makes me strong on the bike from strong legs, strong glutes, whatever. Um, what are you, what are you weighing now? If you don't mind me right now. Yeah. I weigh like 198 ish fluctuate between like 195, 200 now. I mean, that's still big. Like, st- yeah. like that's still big to be running marathon distance. You know, that's yeah. Yeah. No, it was so funny, dude. It was so funny running Dallas. Cause I remember late in the race, like running with people and I mean like, what are you doing up here? Like what <laughs> you're too big to be out here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think, I think there's some truth to it, but like, I love that. It's like, yeah, I'm like pretty big guy, relatively speaking, but like, that doesn't mean I can't run fast. That doesn't mean I can't run far. Like it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything other than the fact that like, I'm a bigger dude, which it's funny to say that now. Cause you know, being a big kid when we were younger meant like you had to fit in this box of like playing on the line and like, you couldn't do anything outside of that. But in this phase of my life, I'm very much like, man, the reality is like, I can be whatever I want to be like, shit. I want to be a fry cook. I can flip burgers. If I want to be, if I want to like, I can literally be whatever I choose to be. And like, that's a cool, that was a cool realization for me that like, I didn't have to fit in a box anymore. I want, I want to hit back on that. Cause I think that's important. And I feel like that definitely speaks to all the things you're doing now, but I'm just curious. Cause uh, like on the CrossFit front, was CrossFit something you saw as a player and you were like excited about doing at some point or did someone invite you into it? Cause like for me, dude, I was 320 pound lineman. And I remember seeing CrossFit workouts and it kind of like you, dude, I was always in a box. I was always the big guy. So I couldn't like, I couldn't necessarily be like be in shape or like I, in my mind, I just like wasn't in shape. I was in a different type of shape, but I see these CrossFit workouts, but like, dude, like they're moving weight and they're conditioning. Like, I think that's something I could do. So I remember when I started losing weight post football, I was like, I can, I was excited about getting into CrossFit. And, um, I, you know, I, I never joined a box cause I was always on military bases and we had pretty good gyms that were free. So I could hit CrossFit workouts on them. So I always like, you know, still looking back, I kind of missed out on having like that box, um, you know, team atmosphere, but I would go throw down. I did comp train workouts for like three years straight. So I'm yes, curious sir. how you got into it. Yeah, man. Um, I got invited in and it was by the same roommate who I mentioned earlier, who like, he ended up transitioning into triathlon stuff, but he invited me probably to like a couple Saturday wads. I rolled through, had a great workout, had a good time. But I think when I really started going was the CrossFit open in 2017. And so like, you know, that's, I think December 
or like sometime at the end of the year where, you know, you're doing specific workout every Friday night, submitting your reps and trying to go to the next round. And I just remember like these workouts being just deadly and, you know, (laughs) I have calluses on my hands and it never fails. Like when I'm, when I'm lifting more, like there's, they just bleed everywhere. And I remember like doing like a, a workout that consisted of toes to bar rowing, um, dumbbell hand cleans and like maybe one other thing in my hands just being obliterated and bleeding everywhere and thinking like oh this is so sick like this is (laughs) so sick (laughs) and uh but yeah like 100 got invited into the box and uh you know the people were great the workouts were great it was i don't think i realized until i started doing it that like you know, it was just obliterating fat off my body at that time. Like, you know, like you mentioned earlier, Travis, I was, I was like 240 at my heaviest and I was, was a linebacker. And so I was, I was beefcake post-grad and you look, like, you look sick. <laughs> yeah, bro, I was thick. And uh, so to be able to get into like a CrossFit box and like have the football conditioning in my bag, have strength. And then like, start to see my body change and like feel like dang I'm getting kind of diced in here. Like I was I was I was loving it. Um so That's yeah sick. I got got an invited got invited in rather. I feel that. Well so I kind of want to tie it in now to like what you've been doing, um walk on mentality and how maybe that idea of like not getting put in a box kind of led you down that path. So you know, maybe now if you want to in- introduce kind of like the, you know, the walk on mentality what you're doing there or, you know, however it's best to kind of bridge the gap. I'll just let yeah. you. Yeah. So the walk on mentality is, is my business. Um, and when I started this business, like I thought I needed to call it walk on mentality consulting or walk on mentality health or walk on mentality, this or that. But I think that in itself would be me kind of putting it in a box and, So it's literally like the walk on mentality LLC, like that's the name of my business. And, you know, it's a coaching business. So I work with clients one-to-one on performance in their career, athletic pursuits, and, um, and like their mindset as well. It's my podcast, which I started in the middle of COVID. So almost four years ago now, the walk on mentality podcast, where I sit down and talk to athletes, entrepreneurs, really anybody who embodies the walk on mentality, which the walk-on mentality is the mindset that there's no limits to what we can accomplish when we believe in ourselves and are willing to work to achieve our goals. And so that's like, that's anybody in any category, just like somebody who bets on themselves. Um, So I sit down with people who have like a story like that to share and just dive into like what it means to them and, and how that's, you know, impacted their lives. And then, you know, actually more, more so lately, I've been working with brands um, to help them grow from like a marketing standpoint and that's just me like being part of their marketing campaigns as an athlete. Um, so that's kind of a newer element to it. But the heart and soul of everything that I do is to empower people to live their life with no limits. And, you know, I had somebody ask me once, essentially, like, when does this no limits mindset um, kind of become like delusion? And I thought it was a really good question. Very fair question. But I think the reality is like, what I'm talking about is no self-imposed limitations because like, you know, but funny enough, it's like 
we're talking earlier about a guy who's paralyzed from the waist down running marathons. It's like he has every right to say, oh, I can't do that. But he chose not. And so, you know, if you if you if you have no legs, maybe it's a different scenario. But also, like, maybe you sit in a wheelchair and push yourself. Right. So it's like I could get I could go deep into a rabbit hole. But the idea is like, don't put any limitations on yourself and what's possible for yourself. Like if there's something that you want to do, whether it's start a business, train for a race, whether it be a 5k, a one mile, a 10k half marathon, it doesn't matter what the distance is, but like do something that scares you. And and really what it comes down to is removing the governor from your life. And that just stuck with me so much because it's like, you know, people put a governor on a car so that it can't go any faster than a certain miles per hour. But it's like, take that off and like, just go. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier too, for me with my journey, it's like, I just want to see what's possible. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's what I'm doing now, man. And it's, uh, it's been a journey to get here. Like my professional career has been me getting more and more okay with like really stepping into like who I authentically am, which you know, I mentioned fitting in a box, like for years and years, I felt like success looks like this. And it was like, make X amount of dollars work in either this industry or that industry. Um, and if I'm doing all of those things, then like, that's what success is. And what I actually experienced was that I checked all those boxes, but there was still this in, like massive void in my like soul. And uh, so I really had to you know, make the decision at some point to really be about what I talk about to the fullest extent. Um, and that's when I went full time with my business and the podcast and, and doing the stuff that I'm doing now. And so, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll pause there and let you guys ask what comes to mind. For me, it's, um, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, what I guess launched that podcast initially, um, you know, I guess it's, so it sounds like it was, kind of pre uh you starting to run or was it right around that same time so relatively close to um but what started the podcast was like COVID had hit and I was like man this is the first opportunity that I have to think about what I want to do like I always had this entrepreneurial itch I always knew I wanted to like help people and impact people in a certain way like that was my go-to response to the question, what do you want to do when you graduate from college, Jackson? It was like, I don't know, but I want to help people. And so when COVID hit, I was working in medical device sales and uh, surgery shut down. I worked in elective surgery, shoulder arthroplasty and elbow arthroplasty. And so, you know, if you came in with an arthritic shoulder, they were going to tell you, hey, like, go home. We'll operate on this when things open back up. So I had a lot more free time. And with that free time, I was just on a mission to figure out how can I help people in this, like I mentioned earlier, this kind of dark time. And initially I started, dude, I made like a whole Instagram where I was posting like daily workouts that you could do at home with no equipment, like encouraging stuff like that, you know, very much like leadership type stuff, probably from my background as a captain and and growing up and things like that, just trying to inspire people that way. But I wasn't really feeling like that was the right thing for me to do. Like I wasn't much of like a, a talking head, like, Hey, do 10 sets of pushups and then some chair dips and then like do some crap. Like that wasn't my thing. And so I kind of went back to the drawing board. I was like, what do I like, what can I do? And 
interestingly enough, like at that time, I didn't actually, I wasn't a big podcast guy. Like I listened to him some because I spent a good amount of time in the car, but I wasn't like a huge, huge podcast guy. But I literally just was like, I'm going to start a podcast, like got on Google, like, what do I need to do to start a podcast? Okay, like I see you can host your podcast here, there. What do I need? Okay, I need a microphone. I have a MacBook. So I have GarageBand. I can edit on here. Like, okay, now what am I going to talk about? Hmm. I'm like, okay, like a lot of the way that I operate is based on what I learned, not in my economics classes, because like I have my econ degree, which is great. But a lot of the things that I like really implemented that I feel like set me apart in my different jobs is like the stuff I learned from football, like, you know, no entitlement, especially in med device sales, like first person there, last one to leave, you know, down to do the grunt work, not complain, all that kind of stuff. And so I was like, I'm going to start a podcast where I talk with former walk-ons about what they learned playing college football and how they apply it in their lives outside of sports. And so like, that's how the podcast started. I literally went to Target, bought a Yeti mic. It's the same mic I have right here next to me. And uh, Great recommendation, by the way. I appreciate that. Yeah, I got you, bro. Um, but that's how it started, man. And like, I got, got 14 episodes in and uh, had interviewed all previous walk-ons. And honestly, like work got busy again. And I kind of just let the pod like sit. I think I probably didn't post an episode for like, five, six months. And then I moved, I moved from Dallas to Austin. And when I moved, I was like, why am I not doing this? Like, I love, I love this mission. I love this podcast. I love what it's about. I love talking to people, hearing their stories. But at that point in time, I also reframed and realized that like, man, like I can talk with people about what they experienced as a student athlete and how they, like how they use it in their careers. But like, that a kind of limits the people that I can interview, but B like I kind of was having like the conversations I was having was just all about like their sports experience, which I think is valuable, but I felt like there was more value for what I was trying to do in having conversations with people who just bet on themselves in general and talk with them about what that meant. Cause like if I'm talking to a, Theme, like a black female who grew up in the hood, who, you know, kind of came from nothing, but she ran track at Harvard and then started her own business. Like that story is going to be way different than me talking to, you know, the, the, the rich white kid who, you know, had a ton of money and started his business because his parents gave him money. There's value in both. And both of those people like took leaps of faith and bet on themselves. But like their experience is going to be very different in their like background. And so I just realized that like, I could talk to so many more people um, and I could talk to people from all different walks with different experience. And that's why I started interviewing entrepreneurs too. Like it, you don't have to be like a walk-on sport, like a walk-on walk-on is talking about life. It's not talking about sport. And I also want to be clear, like, you know, I, I alluded to like the black female from the hood and the rich white kid, like I got a white dad and a black mom. So like, you know, I see both sides, but, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, easily here. We're good. <laughs> yeah. 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 Nah, not, not for you guys. I'm not worried about y'all. No, nah, I'm playing. Um, but yeah, man, I just felt like I could reach, I could a connect with more people, but b like hopefully impact and inspire more people by giving these other people a platform to share their story. Yeah. yeah and I, I feel like with the, you know, talking to walk-ons, it's more about 
what you're trying to extract from them is their mindset and their mentality, not necessarily, you know, what they did in the sport is right. awesome, but it's ultimately, it's like, how did they persevere in the face of the adversity of whatever, whatever it was. Exactly. So, and that's yeah. very much, that's very much what I came to realize about myself is like, you know, the transition from posting like physical fitness stuff to mental mindset tailored stuff is like, I think both are incredibly valuable, but for me, I don't like, I'm not really like, it's very cool. If you run a hundred miles, it's very cool. If you run 50 miles, but like, what I want to know is what in your mind told you that, like, why did you do that? Like, what was it? Like, why do you continue to do these things that like, frankly, like destroy you that are incredibly difficult? Like, why do you choose to go to like the dark places that training for these things and doing these things takes you? Because I think, you know, I think the first thing I said, like one of the first things we were talking about was the power of the mind. And it's like a lot of it, everything comes back to your mind. I think that was an unbelievable pivot for a walk on mentality, getting that in there. My question is what, so with walk on mentality, what's the future for it look like? Yeah, dude, I, I, was, I definitely asked that too. I was like, what, what's, what's like the end goal? Man. <laughs> so my mission is to impact, inspire, and empower as many people as I can to, to live life with no limits. Like that is the mission. And I don't, I don't know like that there's an end goal. Like I just want to keep building it. Like I just want to keep having these conversations. I want to keep you know, helping people on a one-to-one basis who, who see value in what I'm talking about and want to get like a real intimate experience with it. Like, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like I'm going to get to a point with the podcast or, or anything that I'm doing really and just stop. It's like, if, if my goal is to reach as many people as I can, then it's like, I don't really see it an end for it. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the things we talk about are community, you know, challenging yourself. So that's certainly part of it too. And that's something that's new. Like I mentioned earlier, like my co-host Scott and I were hosting a retreat in February. We plan to do those quarterly to start and then, you know, see where we go from there. But like it's community, it's pushing ourselves mentally, physically, emotionally. It's, you know, impacting and inspiring stories being shared across every platform available from YouTube to Spotify to Apple music. And it's just honestly, dude, like keep swinging the ax. Like we had a thing in in college that was like, you know, 1% better every day, keep hitting the tree in the same spot. And it's like, you know, people will say to me, Oh, you know, keep, just keep doing what you're doing keep on the same path. Like it's going to do this. It's going to do that. And I, you know, I always appreciate those comments, but the reality is like, everything that the podcast is everything that the brand is today is like exactly what I want it to be. And as long as I continue to operate the way that I am operating and the way that the brand is operating, like it's only going to continue to grow and get exposed to more people. And I firmly believe that. And I think, you know, I don't know. I just think there's so much value in, in having your intention and mission be clear, which, you know, like I said, it's just like, to inspire and empower as many people as I can. And like, I'm not going to choose what that number is. Um, You know, some people will say they're on a journey to impact a million people. And it's like, well, what happens when that million and one person is ready? It's like, don't, don't limit yourself. So hopefully that answers. Sure, dude. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, 
it's exciting, man. It's been, it's been cool to kind of, I think I've been following your journey probably for, I mean, shoot, I guess we first connected probably back in August, but so it's been almost, I don't know, six to nine months now I've, I've been seeing your content and it's been just cool to see the relationships you've had, like grow. Um, I mean, and that's just from the outside looking in. So, you know, I don't want to be putting words on it, but it just seems like, um, you know, you've been growing your brand a lot. You've been having some awesome guests. I mean, your, your podcast is great. So, um, and I know it took a lot of effort to do that. And I know it probably took a lot of discipline and a lot of self-motivation to tell yourself, like, you know, keep, keep going. So congrats on all that. Um, Man, I appreciate it. I yeah, appreciate sure. it. I'm yeah. super glad to be connected to you guys. Yeah. I know we're coming up on time. I, I have at least like one kind of wrap up question. Travis and I usually like to hit a couple quick ones at the end. Travis, I don't know if you have any, but I'll lead off, especially because you got the football background, CrossFit, endurance now. What's uh what's the hardest workout you think you've ever done? Or at least like the first one that comes to mind. Oh man. Is it supposed to be rapid fire? <laughs> I mean, just kind of like, you know, like we had our, you know, the whole flow of the podcast. Yeah. All right. Now nah, you can think about it. Man, so I'm thinking of just like a couple that come to mind. Like one of the hardest workouts I ever had was prepping for Dallas marathon. It was a 20 mile workout. And I think I was doing like sets of four miles at marathon pace with two miles easy in between. And it was like 35 degrees pouring rain. Like my buddy who I mentioned earlier was pacing me and it was, it was literally like, it was abysmal. Like it was so bad. Um, because like, you know, of course my first marathon ever, like I'm going at it with the goal of sub three, like, Oh yeah. Like I'm going to go sub three, of course, like, duh. and certainly like I was in good shape, but I don't, I don't think I was ready for a sub three yet. Like, I think, you know, I spent about a half hour in the porta potty on race day. And I think if you eliminate that time, I probably would have ran like three ten, which is great, but like three twenty five is also great. And all that to say, like, I don't think I was in sub three shape, but I was trying to go sub three paces. So like I'm chasing after my buddy and my like hip flexors are literally on fire. Like it's miserable out, like just horrible. Um, probably one of my favorite workouts because it was with my buddy and it was just like a cool kind of experience, but, but dreadful from the CrossFit side though. Like, man, I wish I could remember some of the, some of the like hero workouts and some of the workouts, like with the names, because there were some awful ones. Like I know, I think I remember double DT being a dreadful experience. Uh, I think Fran was awful. Um, Yeah. I mean, there were plenty of times like that was something I always loved about CrossFit, especially early on. It was like every single workout I would end up like laid out across the box floor, just like just dying for my life, like, <laughs> like dying. Um, so yeah. Double, double D- DT. That. I, remember, I remember that one. Um, yeah, there's one from the I didn't do a lot of like the games workouts. Like I hard, I don't think I ever really logged my times, but 2019 I did one and it was like um I think it was like 19 calorie road, 19 wall balls, just like AMRAP for like 19 minutes or something like that. Oh, <laughs> it's just like it just so disgusting. No way. Crossing <laughs> oh. workouts are tough, man. Yeah, how, Jackson, how often are you working out with a buddy or a partner? So yeah, it kind of depends. Like if I'm in a if I'm in a training block, 
then I am much more like solo dolo doing my thing. Like right now, marathon prep, uh, most of my miles are solo miles just because like, I don't particularly like to wait on anybody. Uh, I don't want someone else's pace to impact how I'm doing my workout. Like I like to just get it in and, and have that like solitary time. Um, so by myself quite a bit, but if I'm not training for something, I'm definitely much more open to it. Like before I started my training block for Houston, I, uh, I was going to the track probably once a week with a group of buddies and just like, we were trying to murder ourselves. Um, so yeah, I guess it kind of depends on the season. And then of course, like if I'm going to a box or something like that, that is what it is. And that's phenomenal. Um, but yeah, if I'm, if I'm training for something specific, I'm probably spending a lot of time by myself as I train. If I'm just training, cause I like to train, then it's, it's much more like involved with others. I would say. Yeah. I think it's, there can be a, obviously it's two-sided here, but you know, training with people, especially if they push you in a positive manner, like you can really get some stuff done. And then there's also the side where you just like enjoy going on a run, go back to the relationship status. I enjoy running with my girlfriend. Yeah. I don't know if she necessarily enjoys running with me all the time. So we're, we're trying to work through that. The difficulty <laughs> oh my gosh. That. I couldn't yeah. relate more. <laughs> I got to, I mean, Kaylin, Kaylin will go run with me, but it's like, it's almost like pulling teeth. It's, and I'm, I'm, oh, we can get ice cream after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and then wrapping it up, like, you know, I think you're pretty, your mindset on things is pretty remarkable. What has been like a favorite if you read, if you don't, I mean, you can just blow this question off, but uh, what has been a favorite book of yours or like something that you've read that's really stuck with you throughout the years? Man, I think two come to mind. Um, one is Rich Roll's book, Ultraman. Um, I actually finished reading it relatively recently and I've been a big listener of Rich Roll's podcast, knew his story uh, to a certain level, but reading the book, I think gives you a different understanding. Um, and, you know, he specifically resonates with me because, you know, he had, he had everything like high paid attorney, um, you know, by all means of societal standards, like he was crushing, but dude was absolutely miserable and made the decision to change his life. And, and clearly it's turned out okay for him. Um, you know, also rather than signing up for like a 5k, he decided to sign up for Ultraman, which is like, you know, two, uh, what, 6.2 mile swim over a 200 mile bike and a 52 mile run. Like dude really went for it. And, uh, you know, I love that. And so his book really resonated with me a lot. He was also a walk on at Stanford. So walk on ties. Um, so love that. And then I also read this year, I read, um, the ruthless elimination of hurry, which, um, Kalen's brother-in-law Nick gave to me and, he, you know, was just like, man, you got to read this book. And I think that was a point in my life where I was experiencing a lot of hurry, a lot of rush, like, you know, had no ability to just like sit down, calm down and like really just like kind of enjoy the journey, which I've alluded to numerous times and said how much I enjoy the process and the journey. And uh, yeah, Nick gave me that book and it was so powerful to me, you know, basically it talks about the four S's that Jesus implemented in his life that like kind of kept him 
without hurry and, and without rush and the call to action is like, you know, if Jesus could live this way, then like we certainly can. Um, and so that book was phenomenal. Um, yeah, it's funny you guys asked that just because like this year, 2023, a big thing for me was I was committed to reading much more. And over the last five years prior to 2023, dude, I probably read less than five books. Um, but this year I read a lot more and, reading is such a valuable practice. Um, you know, it's really easy to to get on Instagram or some sort of social media and distract yourself that way and, and probably not really ingest anything valuable, but reading and being able to like take lessons and, and apply them. Um, it's a powerful tool. So those were a couple that impacted me for sure. Absolutely, man. I appreciate that. I'll definitely check those out. And yeah, I'm on the, I'm on the same reading train, man. I, I was, huge in a, on the on the submarine and then you know as soon as you come back to reality you get sucked in that phone you really gotta you yeah know, you gotta push it away it's the devil's device you gotta push that thing away so i For think sure. I, read, I think i read both those books this year actually i got um i got ruthless elimination of hurry like right at the end of christmas last year and then um i can't remember when i bought rich roll's book but i agree dude that's such a good book such a good story so i can echo that but um dude thanks so much i mean I'm already thinking we got to, we're going to have to like schedule another one. Cause I feel like there's more we could have talked about and not to mention, you know, you're about to crush a marathon in January and I want to hear how that goes. And, yeah. um, you know, Travis and I both have some other adventures lined up for next year. So I appreciate your time. And again, just thanks for really giving us a lot of the, uh, the push to get this thing off the ground. So we appreciate you, man. Yeah. I appreciate you guys having me. Um, let's definitely get back on the pod after I go sub three. Um, so, oh yeah. But but yeah, no, I I uh, genuinely am stoked for you guys to be deep into this now. And uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, like Sonico, what that means, what that stands for, like it's so true. Like someday it never comes. And it's really easy to push off your goals, whether it's start a podcast, a business, tell somebody how you feel about them, like everything, right? Like you can push it off one more day, one more day, one more day. And then you're posted up on your deathbed wondering like, what if I would have just gone for it? And so, you know, I think what you guys are are doing is incredibly powerful. And uh, I'm super, super stoked to be on the bandwagon this early because y'all are just yeah. getting started. Heck yeah, dude. Well, we got Thanks, many, more, we appreciate many, it, man. More, yeah, many more journeys to come. Thanks, dog. Yes, sir. All right, boys. Later. Appreciate y'all. Thanks, Jackson. Hey team, thanks for listening to an episode of the Sonico Project. If you enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate it if you subscribe and rate the podcast and consider sharing with someone you think would benefit from the show. Follow us on Instagram at Team Sonico. Press on and peace out. Pat and Trav.